This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are getting ready to talk about love and marriage because you can't have one without the other. That's right. We're talking about married <laughs> with children. If you watched our, um, I almost said Shit's Creek. I don't know where I came from. But if, if, you, if you watched our new girl live stream last weekend, you will recall towards the end when I was saying that this was going to be our next live stream. And my panelists all started mouthing the words to love and marriage. And I had no idea what they were doing. And they're like, <laughs> we're mouthing the words to love and marriage. So that's what we're talking about is married with children. And it's the wild women of podcasting, a term that Jen, my podcasting brain twin, coined back when we were doing our Dexter live tweets and live streams that I miss so much. I still have the reminder on my calendar and it comes up every Thursday night and I get a little sad. You'd think I'd delete it, but for some reason, the nostalgia of it won't let me. So sometime soon, we're going to, I mean, this is a reunion of us, but sometime soon we're going to do one of those impromptu live streams. I'm not sure when, not sure what we'll talk about, but it'll be fun because I love being with Carla and Jen on our live streams. We have so much fun. We're so completely professional, never goofy, never ridiculous. And I'm sure talking about married with children will be completely serious, not goofy at all. Uh, I'm sh- I'm positive of it. <laughs> but before we dive into married with children, I'm going to go around and ask my lovely panelists what they're into right now in pop culture. So, Carla, what are you into right now? I am currently into. Wait for it. Nothing. Because <laughs> what? <laughs> Because I haven't had time to do very much besides watch Married with Children. And the only thing that comes close to it really has been that my son has taken over my um, my my music players, all of them, and has put his favorites on there. And there's a really great song that he loves. It's by um, Garifuna, a group of people. And it's beautiful. I don't remember the name of it, though. I don't remember who sings it. I could probably look at it. But anyway, so like that's... And uh, so the reason that I, I will say that I'm into that is because he won't stop playing it. And I'm not saying that I wish he would. Partly because like I'm the one who played it for him first. And then he was like, that is my song. Okay, so it's by the Garifuna Collective. And it's called Mongulu. And it's really good. It's really good. Like if you if you find it, it's it's really worth checking out. Or, in my case, worth checking out 
for every time that you're in the car with your child, every time you're having a meal with your child, every time your child is bathing. Every time you're near your child. Mm-hmm. Anytime your child is yeah. awake. Yes. Is he awake? He's playing that song. Awesome. And and Jen, are you into nothing but also a song that your children are listening to? <laughs> You know, oddly enough, I do have a very similar story and kind of recent experience uh, as Carla. My kids recently finished watching on Netflix Centaur World. And that show is just, it's kind of, it's weird, but it's kind of sweet and cute and funny, but it's a musical. And so there's all these songs throughout. and They're all just kind of funny or whatever. And there's one that's called uh Becky Apples. I'm not even going to try and explain like the plot of this of the show, but it's animated and they're uh, in a, another world called Centaur World and everything is like a human animal mix for better or worse and then they all have magic. But there's so there's a handful of songs that the kids will not stop playing. They are catchy as fuck and they're only like a couple minutes, you know, they're not song average song length so that's what is always playing when my kids are awake and nearby uh other than that uh when i'm not doing the pod prep i just kind of can't stop watching star trek next generation on on pluto so anytime i'm not pod prepping because it's also like i can have it on when the kids are around too and i'm starting to wear them down where i think the oldest (laughs) is starting to like next generation but he really wants to watch uh the new one that's out on that just started strange new worlds because we keep seeing commercials for it so i'm like we'll sign up for it later (laughs) (laughs) so that's it (laughs) well the streak has been broken ladies and gentlemen (gasps) no no, I'm gonna throw it in there just because it's it's been broken. Sorry, it's been no. broken. It's Damn broken. It. <laughs> the streak. Wait, what? It's been broken. Um, our flag means death being mentioned every week. It's oh. been broken. <laughs> I retractively state our flag means death <laughs> because my mom just finished watching it this week, <laughs> and she's upset that it hasn't been renewed. So there we go. <laughs> I'm like, should I mention this? Because then Carla will mention will mention it. But, but I decided to do it anyway. Um, I know you didn't ask my mom, but my mom <laughs> thing that she's into in pop culture this week is her flag means death. <laughs> Pretend she's on the panel. Jolanda, what are you into this week? Well, this week I'm into our flag means death. And I just finished. And it has not been renewed. And I don't understand why. Mamá, te expliqué que luego lo reúno, pero todo, o sea, espérate, ten paciencia. Es que no tengo paciencia, quiero que lo reúno ya. Te entiendo, pero cálmate. Sorry, I had to tell you just, you know. Thank you for stopping by, Carla's mom. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure all the viewers were totally full, too. Like, totally bought it. Totes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the listeners will because the yeah. listeners won't know. <laughs> so. And that sounded nothing like me. So it didn't. Or Christian yes. Bale. Or Christian Bale. Yes, your your impressions are they are top tier, man. Uh, well, what I'm into is well, there's nothing really new, but I am going to mention just so that I can plug our Patreon. 
I am re-watching American Horror Story Freak Show. I'm not going to say the A-H-C, A-H-S. And there, I said it right that Good time. Good job! Because um, <laughs> usually I stumble over that for some reason. But I'm watching Freak Show in preparation. We're revisiting every season of American Horror Story for our Patreon subscribers. Because as everybody knows, this is also the Ryan Murphy podcast. <laughs> Hey, our second most popular episode, right? Uh, our second, our third, our fourth, and our sixth most popular episodes right now are all Ryan Murphy shows. So, you know, wow. hey, what can I say? But we are going to be recording our episode next weekend for seasons three and four. And as I said before, I don't like season three anymore. Season four, it's weird because I used to hate this season and it keeps growing on me. But I will say, like I was telling Jen before, and this is not just because I love Finn Whitrock, but honestly, when Dandy Mott is not on, it's so flippin' boring because, I don't know, I mean, he's so good. And he doesn't have any kind of different makeup except for his hair has that weird swishy thing in the front sometimes. But he looks the same, but he is not attractive at all in this season. And that just goes to show what a great actor he is because the character is so horrendous. So go become a Patreon subscriber. Link is in our uh, the show notes, or you can head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. And for as little as three bucks a month, you get some bonus episodes like that. We're going to have a Destiel fanfic recording at some point. I haven't even read the fanfic yet, but we're going to record it in June or July or sometime around then. So that's what I'm into as a way to promote the podcast. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I, I'm into watching a grown man throw tantrums and murder people <laughs> and bathe in their blood. It's, it's totally normal family stuff. fun. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally normal stuff. Um, Fergie has been loving it. <laughs> Fergie's like, yes, we're back Fergie to murder. Has some very distinctive taste. She does, man. She's mm-hmm. like, yes, no more comedy. We're back to murder. <laughs> Thank God. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to be getting into Married with Children now. um, And I'm going to have, like, I've been having some trivia. If you don't know what Married with Children is, this is a show that you would not have shows like the one we're talking about next week. It's always sunny in Philadelphia without Married with Children, honestly. Uh, Married with Children came out on Fox. It was like the first primetime series to ever air on Fox. And it follows the Bundys. Al Bundy is a shoe salesman in Chicago, married to Peggy, who is a housewife. And then there are two kids, Kelly and Bud. And it is basically, they like hate each other, yet they really love each other. They are completely horrible, awful people. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just the best way to sort of describe it. I I mean, I'm sure everybody knows what married with children is. I mean, if you don't, I don't know where you were but unless you're really young maybe not <laughs> like but that all the people who are like who are like oh i wasn't even born in the 80s like you know what shut I, up so old, old, it's so vintage like oh <laughs> well <laughs> it ended in the 90s it ended in the late yeah. 90s so like 90s which is retro yeah that's true so that makes and sense then they're to gonna me. tell you oh my god it was like four yeah <laughs> But some little trivia here. Like I said, this was the first primetime series aired on Fox. It debuted on Sunday, April 5th, 1987 at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Carla has left because... (laughs) (laughs) 
it was the, the first episode repeated twice or excuse me, twice throughout the night. The series and the fledgling Fox network were little known until the season three, episode six, six episode, Her Cups Runneth Over, which Michigan housewife and family values activist Terry Ricolta found so offensive that she began a letter writing campaign to the show's sponsors to try to get them to withdraw their sponsorship and for Fox to drop the show. A few sponsors did cancel their commercials, but her efforts had exactly the opposite effect. Duh. The story spread like wildfire and resulted in a huge jump in the ratings for the show. It made this show a major hit and put Fox on the map. The show's cast and crew sent Ricolta, I love this, flowers every year that it was renewed. <laughs> While the whole controversy was spoofed in season nine, episode nine, No Pot to Peas In, the Bundy family learns that there is a show based on their lives, which subsequently gets canceled because a housewife in Michigan didn't like it. So I'm just going to share just that bit of trivia there just because I love that. I love that they sent her flowers every year mm-hmm. got renewed because it is because of her. I mean, it's that, you know, it's the whole class act. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it fits the show. So we're going to start just asking some of your favorite moments or episodes three max, Carla. That was very pointed. No kidding. I don't know why. I said, I was say it like, I was Three like, Max, Carla. Go, Carla. Let me know what's good for you, Carla. Speak now, Carla. <laughs> and then I'll say, speak, Jen. Oh, and then I'll say to myself, speak, wow. Speak, Karen. This podcast. Sorry. This podcast suddenly very got very bossy. Say yes, Mr. It's a fandom bossy thing. <laughs> <laughs> Carla clicks off. Boom. <laughs> All right. Well, I think one of my favorite moments comes in the in the pilot. And it's just, you know, watching Al and Peg's interaction in just those first couple of minutes where she's like kind of cooking and like doing her thing where she's kind of like bouncing and you know you hear Al, what Peg? It, it it just establishes kind of who they are in relation to each other and the, the kind of of marriage that they have. And I really, especially that first season, really felt like it could have been just a stage play. I felt like that a lot of the times throughout the run of the show. That it was almost like you could see this on a stage. Mm-hmm you know uh, on a rotating basis and just see it and it's new every time and it's it's really even now being the person that I am now with the values and the ideals that I have now and going back and watching it and and you know shaking my fist at certain things I'm like it's still unbelievably entertaining and very watchable but uh, but and it gets established right at that very first scene um second and it's it's more like repeated things. It's anytime that Kelly says something unexpectedly smart, <laughs> you just like, where did you learn that? And she's like, oh, well, I, I had to learn it because, you know, birth control interacts with this or you, you have to. <laughs> oh, when she's talking to somebody about, um, uh, well, you know, if, if you've taken these pills and then you need to take them at this blah, 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 because your cycle. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's a very Alexis I, I think... Rose of her in a way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. And I, I just I really love seeing those moments where, where Kelly where you can see that part of her of her whole 
uh, being. I wonder how much of that might have been different if she were raised by different people. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like, if she applied herself in, in, in a thing that she was interested in, maybe she wouldn't have been so Kelly, but then she wouldn't be Kelly Bundy. And then any time that Al goes, let's rock. I don't know, I know. why, but I, I just agree. love that. <laughs> and the thing is, like, he says that he thinks that he's so sexy saying it. <laughs> he's so into himself when he's like, let's rock. And it's just aging man who it's like kind of hunched over and he, he looks like i don't know like i just feel so bad for him every time i look at him sometimes i'm like dude you know like can, can i buy you a meal you know like um do i need to call somebody for you sir are you all right sir you know like what can i do to help you in your time of of need but he says it with like the confidence of of somebody who you know who eats protein regularly and who doesn't use the bathroom as often as he does. <laughs> Just like the, the let's rock, yeah. I Al, I believe that you believe you're sexy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's so true. Yep, yep. And just a quick note on that. Uh, the reason Ed O'Neill got this role, the reason he was cast, and I mean, I can't imagine anyone else in this part, but the reason he was cast is when, because a lot of people were worried because he had done just dramatic work before this. And when he came in to audition for the role, right before he walked through the door, he went, did this deep sigh, and then did the hunched over thing, walked in, and the people said, he gets it. He knows who this character is. <laughs> So that whole body thing of what you're saying. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Because it's so specific. It is so Al Bundy. Yep. I mean, he looks so downtrodden in every single scene and every single season. He does. He's just like, just done. Even even when like, you know, if somebody's actually flirting with him, even if he's actually getting his way, he looks so hunched over, kind of like, I've given up on life. I guess this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. So Jen... Well, this show, so uh, as I explained to Aaron before, I, this was, uh, today's recording was kind of a maybe for me if I could, had the time for it. I ended up having the time for it, but I didn't get a proper rewatch in, but I'm like, you know what? I grew up on this show. This was a show we sat around as a family and watched. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can like BS my way <laughs> through this <laughs> with all due respect, Aaron. <laughs> No, I totally but, get it with this. <laughs> so I I haven't gone back to rewatch it, but I, and I'm a little hesitant too because I I know that it hasn't aged well. I know there's the body shaming, the womanizing, and everything, and I would like to keep that in a little nostalgia pocket <laughs> and not revisit it with today's eyes. <laughs> but I mean, I like I said. I grew up with this show. I love it. I love this family. I love this take on the, this dysfunctional take on the nuclear family. Here we see husband, wife, daughter, son, dog, and everyone's miserable. Even the dog, <laughs> even good old Buck loved that dog so much. Uh, but yeah, I did always kind of love those moments where they would come together and defend the Bundy family name. And some moments that always kind of stood out were, you know, 
you know, as Carla was saying, when when Al says, let's rock with that confidence, that's the confidence of a man who scored four, four touchdowns in a single game. <laughs> <laughs> so I always love him holding on to that moment of glory of when he peaked. And it's, honey, it's four touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in high school seven I don't know but I always just kind of loved that here's this man beaten and like physically like hunched over from like the weight of the world and life just pushing him down but he he puffs up and he holds on to that that's the only thing not the birth of his children not his wedding day <laughs> old football glory days so I I love it so much that I a while, a long time ago, I bought my husband a t-shirt that says like Polkai and kind of like a Jersey style looking t-shirt. And it just always made us chuckle. I always loved like, well, and I love like, you know, Kelly and Peggy, these two, especially Peggy and her outfits. She wasn't like a frumpy mom. She was amazing. She had that hair and my dumb ass thought it was real for a <laughs> lot of years. And I was like, I love her big red hair. You know what, though? It was real for the first three seasons. Okay, so there, and I win. <laughs> I, the first season, she did it herself. Okay. Yeah. And then when when they were, like, suddenly successful, they started buying her wigs, and she's like, oh, we've made it? <laughs> I love that. And, yeah, especially in the earlier seasons, you know, it's the 80s, smoking everywhere. And even in the opening credits, yeah. she's making a salad and a big <laughs> old cigarette so hanging out of her mouth. Oh, God, I love it. And they, you know, they weren't good with their money there's no food in the fridge so i just love this dysfunctional family and seeing that dark side of like you know your donna reeds and your leave it to beavers kind of thing we have a nuclear family in suburban middle america but life sucks <laughs> <laughs> you know and yeah kelly when she has her moments of smarts but then just the classic fox channel fox of the and any moderately sexy thing happens or the gasps of you know like a wicked burn of <gasps> so yeah. that just those audience reactions those live studio audience reactions are classic <laughs> and I love them and you know they get parodied in a lot of other things now and you know and we wouldn't have those without the Bundys and the show so I childhood favorite. My dad was always like, "Oh, I can relate to Al. My I, I got a, I've got a dim-witted daughter and a short son." <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, I got it. It wasn't like what I don't get it. It was. Like, <laughs> I was gonna ask. <laughs> like, yes, yes, totally. What? What does dim-witted mean? <laughs> like yeah you're so blessed daddy <laughs> was very there. i have a sister <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i mean i this show is very nostalgic for me too and not my mom didn't like this show but my dad loved this show so it's very my dad and i would watch it all the time when i would you know be might to be over at my dad's and my dad's from Chicago. My side of the family is there. So that was another part of it. And he very much related to Al. He's like loved Al. And it so it holds this special place in my heart. 
so even though I know it's problematic, it's weird because I can forgive so much in this show because of how much nostalgia I have for it and how much love I have for it because these people never get what they want. It's not like they ever get rewarded no. for how awful <laughs> they are, especially Al. Al never gets what... And, you know, like Ed O'Neill, the way he wanted the show to end, and they were never told it was canceled, which is just horrible. Ed O'Neill found out when he was on vacation and a family told him it was canceled, so he bought them a meal because the studio didn't tell them they were canceled. That's I know. Terrible. I know. I know. That's and so I know. terrible. They, they, they built that network. It's it, it's just mm-hmm. typical yeah. for Fox. Even that is so disrespectful. <laughs> we should have known is, the yeah. signs were all there. <laughs> It is so disrespectful. It's so yeah. disrespectful. It's like so, so awful. But he wanted it to be that they won the lottery and then a tornado came in and killed them. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have happened. With this. That would have been amazing. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> that was his idea, which would have been great. Instead of, you know, this, the season, the series finale we got. Is nothing they planned because they didn't know they were getting canceled. So it's not, so I don't even blame the finale at all for being what it was. Um, but some of my favorite moments are, and I shared this video, when uh, Kelly is, and this speaks to sometimes when Kelly has those brilliant moments, when Kelly becomes a hustle's pool and Jefferson's helping her, and at first Al thinks that Jefferson's like pimping her out. And you know, because mm-hmm. Al would get so protective of Kelly, which can de- can verge on that. I'm, I possess your, I own your body crap, but for some, I'm okay with it for some reason. <laughs> um, but so he goes down to the pool hall and he's about to beat up Jefferson. And then he discovers, you know, that she's good at pool and she needs a certain amount of money to take on this other pool shark. So he goes and he donates blood. He donates eight <laughs> pints or nine pints of blood, which is more than the human body holds. And he's like, and he's like, but the brain holds some. And then he's like, but you know, it's like, Look at the pretty colors, all the pretty colors. Everything looks like noodles. <laughs> later on, later on, he gets up to give her a pep talk because he's like passed out. He did like air drum solos to It's a Small World After All, all this stuff. And Jefferson's like, well, we could win $10,000. So he gets up there to give her a pep talk. And he's like, Ajija Baja Bija. <laughs> and then he like knocks his head. And then he gives her this huge pep talk. And then what happens, of course, is he passes out on the pool table. It hits his head, so they don't win. Mm-hmm. Kelly lies to him, but says a goat came in and stole the money. And he's so <laughs> gone. He's like, I saw that goat. I know where that goat lived. Let's go get the goat. <laughs> it's, I, I've been watching clips of just that episode over and over again because Ed O'Neill, this whole cast is amazing, but Ed O'Neill is so flipping brilliant in this role and he's so good in that scene because it's just like it's so ridiculous and he he does it where it's believable it doesn't seem too over the top so yeah one of the things that I also loved in that scene when you sent that clip over was you know they're at a bar obviously for the pool hustle but he's drinking he donated more blood than his body can handle and he's just drinking beer well he's not even drinking it though he's pouring it into his hand and he's like and it's falling and then he's like pretending but then later he's drinking it and he says to jefferson it wasn't in that clip but later if you keep watching he's drinking and and uh jefferson said are you sure you should be doing that he's like I realize the brain just needs to be wet. It doesn't need blood. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And Jefferson's face. 
I really, I loved Jefferson and Al's interactions. They were such a good group, a pair, because they were such idiots. <laughs> and the another favorite is when they're trying to put together a workbench. <laughs> and Maggie <laughs> and Marcy are just watching them and taking pictures because they're being idiots. And there's this whole scene where, like, <laughs> Jefferson's kneeling down. He's holding up a thing of wood. And Al's got like a drill, and it's right here. And he's like, "Okay, just hold it." <laughs> and then Al electrocutes himself, and so Peggy's taking pictures. And then Marcy's like, "So do you think Jefferson will be stupid enough to go and unplug it at the same time?" And then Jefferson goes, "I'll save you, buddy." And he goes and electrocutes himself. <laughs> it was so yeah, that was so funny, so so hilarious, so. I love those. And then a sweet kind of sweet moment is there's a an episode where um, Vanna White guest starred and Vanna White wants to buy Al. She's been in love with Al. And so she goes and purchases Al. And then Peggy is leaving. And Peggy's like, you know, saying, no, you need to make sure this and this when he's sleeping. And she looks sad and he looks sad. And then she comes back and is like, nope, nope, this is my husband. <laughs> So I'm going to, yes, I want to stay with my husband. And it was just one of those, they had a lot of those moments where even though they acted like they hated each other, they actually really deeply loved each other. That's what was so weird. So I liked that just because it was kind of sweet. It was like, you know, nope, this is my husband. Well, that reminds me of the of the episode with, with uh, Robert England. Yes. When he's the devil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so they're in hell and then... The the Bundys and the Darcys play against um, the Devil's team, which has like Goliath and I forget what other big baddies of history. And the uh, the Bundys are getting creamed, but then they start coming back. And the Devil's like sensing that he's about to lose, and he's like, "Wait, wait, wait, Al! If you drop this pass, because he's about to catch it, if you drop this pass, I send you back." No, if you catch it, I will send you back and all of your family and neighbors come with you. If you drop it, I send you back with all of this cash and all of these like sexy models. And then Al ends up making the catch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it was like they're deep down. They really loved each other. I mean, I'm not saying this was a healthy family. But no, yeah. but they had their moments. I was I remember like there'd be someone coming for the family or someone yes. of the family and they would band together and uh go and and fight them or whatever. I remember this <laughs> this one night in high school on like a Friday night football game walking through the parking lot and there is some teenage shit going on and one girl's all talking shit and I I swear to you she quoted married with children some line about how you don't mess with my family and these are my people or kind of something along those lines of being very defensive and the girl in at school was being defensive about her friends and she quoted married with children and I just chuckled to myself as I walked past because I'm like I don't I'm not involved in any of that so I'm just going to keep going but it just made me laugh so freaking hard. I was like, you want to sound like such a badass that you're quoting married <laughs> with children. <laughs> it was awesome. And yeah. Aaron, when you mentioned the Vanna White episode, the one thing I 
remember from that episode is Vanna White shows up at the door and Peg and Kelly and uh, Bud are down on the floor, like rubbing her legs. And they're like, oh, your pantyhose are (laughs) such smooth silk. And she's like, I'm not wearing pantyhose. And they're like, wow. (laughs) I think about that. I don't whenever I shave my legs. Like, oh, it's so smooth. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was watching one of the best of clips where they were talking about some of their favorite episodes, and they all said she was so sweet and so nice. They said that was one of their favorites because of her. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just to have Vanna White on that show during that time, yeah, you know, it's like I know. peak wheel, peak Bundy's. And sure, let's cross them over. No bit. What? <laughs> I know, because she was thought of as like very wholesome and very next door. And so for her to do that, I think said a lot about her. big. <laughs> More than, I mean, really, <laughs> she was probably like, I want to break out of this image a little bit. I'm not just mm-hmm. someone who turns wheels. I mean, wheels, uh, tiles or whatever. They are. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing alignments down at the gym. <laughs> She's more than that. <laughs> I, I see I just I love this show as as problematic as it is when you look at it I mean because I mean the racism and the homophobia because there is there's everything in here and the sexism and stuff like that so there is a lot of that in here especially the sexism and the fat phobia yeah. more than any other thing in here so yeah and we'll get to that talking about that but I just have such a soft spot for it that it's so it's hard for me to get angry at this show <laughs> just because I just, I loved it so much and it was such a, a part of my childhood. So yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's talk about the Bundys. So there, so we did a poll and everybody's favorite turned out to be Peggy. Al and Kelly were tied for second. Bud didn't get a single vote. <laughs> fits, it fits the character. So classic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Al Bundy was played by Ed O'Neill. Peggy Bundy was played by the amazing Katie Seagal, who is uh, such a fantastic actress. Love her, adore her. Um, And then Kelly Bundy was played by another fantastic actress, Christina Applegate. And then Bud Bundy, David Faustino. (laughs) (laughs) And he was played by this this man, though. (laughs) And then there was their dog, Buck Bundy. Who, when Buck Bundy died, he gets reincarnated into their new dog, Lucky. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Buck. <laughs> Which little trivia about the dog. The dog constantly was humping Katie Seagal's leg for the longest Oh, my God. <laughs> it must have been those animal print outfits. Uh, yes, probably. <laughs> yep. so, yeah, and then for Peggy, her whole look was totally... Totally Katie Seagal came up with mm-hmm. that. Came up with wanting it to be kind of a 50s style housewife thing. So, 
Yes, she is amazing. So, Carla, what are your general thoughts on the Bundys? Oh, my God. You know, for a group of people who are just absolutely awful, they're the worst of the worst. They are the most unimaginable. Just, I I would not want to be living near them, on the same block as them, in the same city as them, preferably. I don't care how big Chicago is. It's not big enough to live with them. However, they're delightful to watch on television. And, you know, for starters, it's because the, the cast is so fantastic. They, they really, these characters would not be anywhere near as enjoyable. And the show... And not only the show, but then other shows that came after it that tried to do this, you know, um, this kind of send up of the classic family sitcom. It wouldn't have succeeded as well if these had tanked. And, you know, Al being the, the awful father, awful husband, terrible employee. Like, it's how does he continue being employed? You know, like... Is is Gary just kind of using this place as his tax shelter? You know, she just gets to write it off every year, being like, "Oh, we have sold even fewer shoes. It's fantastic." You know, like I, I, that's all the only reason I can think for why she keeps him and Griff employed. And at first, it was the guy Luke, who I was so glad yes. that he that he left because Griff I thought was like a nice balance to Al. Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't more slimy than Al. <laughs> I don't think anybody needed more slimy. But Al, you know, with all of his, you know, hatred of everybody and his disdain for everything involved in being a grown up. <laughs> I don't know, like, was he this miserable as a child? You know, was is it something that, like, it wasn't until he was married that he was... Because he seemed to be smiling just fine when he was working with his dad in that car that one time. You know, like, he seemed perfectly happy then and well-adjusted. And then suddenly it's like, great, now I have children and I'm married and I hate it. Um, but every time that he and Peggy would, would get separated or, you know, that one time that they broke up or whatever... When they got back together, it wasn't even just because it was convenient for him or because um, he couldn't do any better. It, it was sincerely because they wanted to be with each other. They just kept gravitating back towards each other, which I think they should see a, a therapist about. <laughs> because a it lot. was a very toxic marriage. Like, whoa. Yes. Like, whoa. All right. Whoa. Very unhealthy. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and it was actually, oh God, it was actually when they were seeing a therapist that they broke up in the session so that it worked. They just ended up getting back together. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah. And and he, he really, he couldn't tell you a damn thing about his, his own children. I mean, one time he's sitting next to Kelly. He's like, how old are you? You know, like. Um, like I, uh, one of my favorite mem- memories is carrying you from the hospital to the car. And then 10 years later, I took you out for ice cream and now here we are. <laughs> it's true. And, and she says to him that, you know, that, that if she had to count her, her age by the amount of parties that he threw her, she would be three years old. <laughs> um, 
but he really he and especially Kelly he has a special fondness for like he really protects his little princess mm-hmm. and I, I love when he calls her pumpkin even Me when too. he's insulting her mm-hmm. he calls her pumpkin <laughs> like that's you know like he's a horrible father but that is adorable <laughs> it is <laughs> he's a, he's trash but oh he called her pumpkin <laughs> And I especially loved that the man could, like, just throw out an insult at warp speed. I have never seen a character on television who can insult somebody that fast. You know, like, the only um, remnants of his athletic ability are the speed with which he throws insults. Like, that's, you know, (laughs) kudos, sir. Kudos. Um, In the the poll, I picked uh, Peggy as well. Because I think she's so, she's just like awesome, you know, like the fact that she's useless <laughs> as a homemaker, notwithstanding, I, I think she's fantastic because she she really knows what Al's about. She knows what her life is about. And yes, she's, none of them are ever happy, but she, I think, is at least at peace with her pile of crap life. And she kind of makes the best of it, you know, like she... Um, there are many opportunities that she has to do better for herself that she decides, eh, you know, too much effort or just not interested. <laughs> she she goes to to work at the what is it the the jiggly room? That's right. Just to to win a contest, and then Al falls in love with her character, who was Jasmine, and she ends up making like hundreds of dollars a night. And then, like, she's like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> I admire her complete lack of ambition. Um, I also admire her outfits. And you know, I, I just didn't understand why everybody was like, oh, she dresses so trashy. I'm like, what is trashy about the way she dresses? Like, that is like, the least trashy thing about her. There are so many things you can pick on her for being trashy about. It's not the outfits. Mm-hmm. You know? But again, this is coming off the heels of so many... Um, family shows where the women don't dress in skin tight clothing and it has more to do with society's view of what is wholesome and pure and what is maternal and womanly mm-hmm. than it does with with Peggy and her outfits themselves because in and of themselves they're inoffensive I mean like the worst thing you could say about them is that she has way too much of a prevalence for leopard print mm-hmm. entirely too much but that's about it like there's nothing inherently trashy about what she wears um she's also i think you know not that there's that it's a particularly high bar but she's the better parent (laughs) she actually remembers her kids exist yeah more often than not she's also hilariously adept at uh bringing al down like nobody brings and, and even though al himself brings himself down continuously she does it she does it better than anyone man she's just fantastic at just bringing him down to his level and at figuring out what it is that he's really doing and either just letting it ride because who cares he's gonna screw himself anyway so i don't have the time (laughs) to really do that or coming up with like just these amazing plans to foil that and just you know, she's just really cool. And also, I think Kato, Katie, Kato, Katie is fantastic. So good. Mm-hmm. Yes, because she, she really she makes Peg for all that Peg is useless. She gives her like this this dignity and this. Um, she gives her like respect. 
you know, because Peggy, if nothing else, she likes herself. She respects herself. She believes that she's a good person who is just living her best life. And I don't think that anybody else could have pulled that off. One of the contenders for Peggy was actually Roseanne Barr. Mm -hmm. uh, well, she was known back then. Can you just imagine that? No, I mean, like, no. you wouldn't have the Peggy that we love. Because that would have just been so abrasive. And so that would have been like a trashy portrayal of Peggy, I think. Um, because Roseanne is trash. But... Katie Single just herself is not a trashy person. It's hard to see her as trashy. I love Kelly. She's my second favorite of all the Bundys. Uh, she's hilarious. She's dopey as hell, but she's fine with it. Um, she's funny. She, for all of the show, does a lot of slut shaming when it comes to Kelly. Mm -hmm. A lot of it. Like to a ridiculous amount where it's like, you know, Pick a, pick a side. Either you like your women skanky or you don't. But you don't get to put it all on this child because Christina Applegate was a teen when she started on this series and they're dressing her in like, you know, crop tops and tight stuff and whatever. And then they call her trashy for the next 11 years of her life. But she didn't really, probably because it didn't register. But she didn't really care. She just, you know, she's like, I'm happy doing this. You know, I'm happy being adored by guys all over the place. And, you know, like, nobody's, nobody can take that away from her. And I was like, okay, good for you. I, I loved that for all that she, <laughs> she really made Bud's life miserable. But that's because he was a miserable little boy than, than young man, than gross man. So he, he earned all of that misery but she was she she would stand up for him when it counted even though he didn't deserve it because he's trash and yeah. then but himself the less said about him the better he was just disgusting and creepy from the beginning they had no reason to make a child character that filthy from the beginning although you know that's part of what worked for the show and Frankly, the acting was not that good, so whatever. <laughs> my husband, I was watching, um, you know, as I was, you know, streaming through these episodes, my husband came in and he enjoyed a couple of them because he also enjoys the show. And there were a couple of, of moments with Bud and he's like, oh, wow, the acting there is awful. Everybody else, he was like, she's great. He's great. And he was like, oh, that kid is awful. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that's why he's the only one I didn't praise. <laughs> And then there was David Fastino. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably why he didn't get a single vote. <laughs> yes. But who? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was his DJ name again? Um, oh, that Grandmaster oh, God. B. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the reason they did that was he was trying, David Fastino was trying to have his own rap career. So they were poking fun at him. Good. <laughs> as just, they should have. I mean, he is. The whitest white to ever white, and he wanted to be a rapper. I know. Bro, Grandmaster B, <laughs> please. And then he had all those other ones, like he was a cowboy, wasn't he? A cowboy. He was a cowboy for a little bit, and all these <laughs> other things he would try to do. But yeah, so, so Jen, what are your general thoughts on the Bundys? Oh, I love this messed up, dysfunctional, <laughs> toxic ass family. <laughs> 
I, you know, I love, okay. So I already said a bit about Al and how he's kind of holding on to the past. And I love Peggy because she's in a way doing that by still kind of showing off her body and wearing maybe like an old hairstyle from when she peaked, but she's also like very confident in herself as Carla said. And I agree. I think she's the most content <laughs> with her life because she doesn't do anything. Why, why rock the boat? She's got a pretty, <laughs> like she just takes Al's money and does whatever. Doesn't really care. She yeah does acknowledge that she has children and they exist and she'll listen to them once in a while. But I just, Oh, I love her little walk little kind of sway yes. and her little like slipper heels or whatever and her ow just <laughs> the best katie yeah katie seagal is jen that was so perfect <laughs> that was <laughs> so but i love that yeah she fought back like this character is not that nuclear mom wholesome and everything but she's not a bad person and i don't think she dresses trashy maybe a little tacky depending on what your tastes are but there was nothing tra like just because she's not in a full skirt and a string of pearls and being all doting and everything so I just I love that this family challenged all those ideas of what of what <laughs> not a happy not a functioning but what a family can be and how they can still be there for each other and still hate each other <laughs> so so much but you know peg and and al do there's there is something there and it's gotten lost over the years with the stress of being an adult and getting beaten down but i do i don't like i don't think it's like a codependency thing i think that at some point they still they actually loved each other but not seeing that is just such a play on that time and like all those take my wife please kind of jokes mm -hmm. it's like my grandpa had like a decal that said like what was it like I got something about like I got my I got this car for my wife as a trade or something meaning he traded his wife for the car and I just never understood these kind of jokes coming from like very like christian religious families that believe in the sanctity of marriage i'm like then maybe not joke about like mm -hmm. ditching mm -hmm. your spouse or running over your spouse so i think this show did a really good job kind of making fun of that and just putting it in such a ridiculous context that i think too many people actually bought into of like yeah these are they get it it's like no they're making fun of you this is how ridiculous you look you look like al bundy <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah so that's peg and al uh yeah and i love i just i love peggy i love katie seagal everything she's always going to be peggy bundy to me even though she's amazing and <laughs> other things the other things that she has done since and she's uh, a great singer i just want to throw that in there she's an amazing mm -hmm. singer too. yeah i think i have heard her i think i'm not sure where i've made but yeah christina applegate love her loved kelly bundy I love seeing this like little kind of rocker chick, wild child rebel from like the early seasons where she's just got like that bleach damaged as shit, bleach blonde hair <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just still going off and, and being Kelly and doing Kelly things. And growing up, I always looked at her as someone who was 
even though they did do like you know putting her in the slutty clothes and then slut shaming her still someone who was very like body positive and very confident Mm -hmm. in it she was slutty she knew it she didn't care she got things she used her wiles to get what she wanted she rolled with like bad boys with the leather jackets and the motorcycles and the bit too old to be hanging out with a girl that's supposedly in high school (laughs) i Mm -hmm. did like that kelly's character as the series went on it almost i wonder if christina applegate maybe started having a bit more input on how the character was dressed because she dressed Mm -hmm. less revealing clothing still you know like form-fitting crop tops or whatever but um and she had like cut her hair she had i think the rachel for a little while but Mm -hmm. she got she got less her clothing got less revealing but she also got dumber (laughs) she did (laughs) so i wasn't so what you know yeah that's fine but i always i always loved kelly i always kind of in a weird way kind of looked up to her because i was like she's gonna do what she wants but and she's got her dad wrapped around her finger so she's able to do what she wants And she's got like yeah, all this like really cool like sexy clothes and like just kind of a badass look. So I I love me some Kelly Bundy. And Buck is great. Buck the dog is my favorite. <laughs> I love that. <Buck. laughs> so stuck a miserable poor fucking dog stuck with that terrible family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Kelly loved Buck so much and when Buck died and how heartbroken she was. <laughs> but it's like what did what did the soul of Buck do in a prior life to be reincarnated <laughs> back into this family? <laughs> you know, okay, and so for Bud, yeah, Bud was always gross. I I don't know if it was supposed to be kind of a play on the this kind of family not paying attention to their kids and so kind of both of them are running a bit wild but he is they're not reining in his horniness and his perviness and being like dude there's you gotta cool it you know no parenting whatsoever so maybe that's what happened to bud is they just didn't care because (laughs) kelly is al's princess so he's always gonna have a bit of an eye on what's going on there but like Bud's not even like a mama's boy in any. (laughs) (laughs) So I think just the neglect and Bud is definitely the kid that is going to try and move away as soon as he can. He's always got these schemes to make it big and to move away. And I don't know, maybe he'll end up in LA and be a waiter or something, but I don't think he's (laughs) ever going to realize any of his dreams but he's gonna keep trying and he's gonna come up with these schemes he's 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 white he's mediocre and he's a perv so i think he'll fit right in in hollywood I, you know so i was true. gonna say congress so you know politics Either one. He, has, he has a bright future ahead of him <laughs> that's so true that's Damn sad it. but true <laughs> I love this family. I <laughs> they, they are they are awful, horrible. I mean, I, I don't love Bud though. I will say I don't have any kind of soft feelings for him at all. I think he's icky and gross, and I <laughs> this is gonna be really gross, but I would hate to wash his sheets. I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> or his room must smell so bad. Oh, I just, so oh, gross. I just, that's all I can think about is that it's just, oh. Don't look at any clothing yeah. or towels or like pillowcases next to his bed, Mm-mm. please. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. He's just not, uh-uh. Uh, but my favorite is probably Peggy, but Kelly is a really close second. They're they're kind of tied mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. And and what I love about Peggy, and even though yes, she does horrible things, all of these people do, but she still embraces the fact that she's a woman and her sexuality and how sexy she's mm-hmm. very flippin' yeah. sexy, and she still wants. Sex, I'm like, you could do so much better than Al, but okay. I mean, she wants <laughs> Al all the time, which mm-hmm. always blows my mind because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you see. Love is blind, I guess. But yep. <laughs> And what baffles me is like, yeah, she's hot. He's she's not. So and hot. it's like, dude, you have a hot wife that wants to do you all the time. And I you're know. just like, yes. eh, sex is work. I know. Well, in the what was so interesting about what's so interesting about the show in the beginning, they actually really both desired each other. Like he wanted to have sex with her all the time too, and then slowly as it went on, that that changed. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of plays into this thing of like when you're married to someone for a long time, some people don't still desire their spouse or something. So I think that's kind of what they were trying to talk about. But I mean, like. He like buys her like in season eleven those those few episodes where they break up and he buys her this outfit that in no way would fit her so he doesn't even know what she looks like doesn't even realize how lucky he is until other people desire her and then he does uh, but it takes that but then you know I mean when she's the stripper and he doesn't know it's her and he falls in love with her so it's like she she's so sexy and the way she walks around in confidence and those heels all the time I would be in pain constantly <laughs> I don't know how she does that and even when she crosses her, when she crosses her leg and shakes her leg, and it's just, I just love it. And and her bonbon eating and how into <laughs> Oprah, you know, because Oprah was very different at that time. I don't think people realize that Oprah's show was very much like Phil Donahue and all of those. That's right. It was. I had forgotten. You know what? I, I'm so old that I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very much. You're like absolutely that. right. Yeah, and then and then Oprah didn't want to be trashy. So she kind of changed her way. And, you know, it's funny because there's an episode in here where before Jerry Springer became what Jerry Springer was, Jerry Springer was more like in that line. And there's an episode where the um, where no man, where they go and they take <laughs> hostage Jerry Springer. They're <laughs> so, um, so inept at it, but they do it anyway. But so I just love how she just embraces that. She's like, no, I'm not going to work. Um, I'm not going to cook. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to. And I don't know how they survive on a shoe salesman's salary and in that house they live in, but they never eat. So, but I still don't know how they survive because it's like, how in the world do you ever make it? Yeah. And she's always buying stuff. Inflation and then the recession (laughs) and and America and values (laughs) and trickle down economy. (laughs) Yeah. And no more taxes. So yeah, I don't know how they make it, but yeah. And then Al, Al is just, Al is really, you would, I would never want to be married to Al. I'd never want to live next to Al. I'd never want to know Al, (laughs) but I, but I love Al in some weird way because Ed O'Neill, 
does such a good job with this character of he plays this character with this false confidence. Like you were saying, Carla, earlier when you're talking about is let's, let's rock whenever he says that. And he's got such confidence when he does it. And yet he is this shell of a man. No one can ever say his name right. Whenever he's in the papers, it's, it's like there's <laughs> Al Bindi out. Like, you know, they mess his name up so much. And he never can win. He always loses. <laughs> no matter what he tries, he never wins. He never can get anything. Uh, and <laughs> But he still tries and he thinks he is in this different level than other than people than he actually is. He thinks that the fact that he scored four touchdowns in high school makes him this superior person. And he is that he's that person that peaked in high school and never ever can go beyond that. He can never get better than when he was in high school. And that's where Al Bundy lives. So he's kind of trapped in that high school thing of when he was in high school, he was the popular football jock guy. And he's not anymore. And so he's just stuck there and thinks he still is that guy and he's not. Whereas Peg, she is still that hot person. She is never, that's never gone away. She's still hot as hell. She could get anything she wants, <laughs> really. She's so, so sexy. When they break up and they both end up at the same club, and she like unbuttons her because she's like, oh, and I taught Kelly to do that when she was in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> and she unbuttons the top buttons and she gets all this attention. And then Al, because he's jealous, goes and does it. And he's like this. And somebody's like, oh, he's having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody finds him sexy except for Vanna White in that episode. But yeah, it's just, it's. It's so funny. It's so funny. So they can't really they can't really live without each other. In some weird way, I think Al needs Peg more than Peggy needs Al because yeah, like you see that when they break up, Peggy could. Well, I mean, they're barely broken up, and she pulls like a millionaire. Yeah, and he gets and no Al's living by the airport <laughs> in an apartment that like starts falling apart every time a plane flies by. I know with the waterbed. <laughs> Yes, and he he doesn't even get to do anything fun in the waterbed. Like I know. by accident, it gets a hole poked in it. It wasn't like a sexual adventure kind of thing. The man's a loser. Yes, he <laughs> he's such a loser. He's so lucky to have Peggy. He's mm -hmm. so yes. lucky. Uh, and then Kelly, I I love Kelly. And yes, they do a lot of slut shaming with Kelly. But Kelly, what I appreciate about her is, even though you may think she lets all these people take advantage of her. She knows when someone is actually really using her and she will stick up for herself. She will actually do that. Mm -hmm. She will put a guy in his place. And I really appreciated that about her. And I, I'm like you, Jen. I kind of looked up to her too when I was younger. I was like, I would, God, I would love to be Kelly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's so sexy. She gets whatever. And, you know, guys, she gets all these hot guys, which I'm watching now. I'm like, these are not hot guys. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but but she, she was just really cool and she was like the chick and I use chick just because I think it kind of fits the thing but mm -hmm. she was the girl that you that you know didn't give a crap about anything and didn't care what people thought of her and she really doesn't she she knows people think of her as a slut and stupid but she doesn't care she kind of owns that and she turns it around and uses it sometimes for her own uh -huh. gain. And then, like you said, Carla, and like when I said when I was talking about the um, 
bowling, the uh, pool episode, she'll have those moments where she's so good at something and she knows something so well and so she succeeds. And, you know, this, she kind of plays into, there was this whole thing of like a lot of, you know, teenage girls on shows like Family Ties and others, they'd have the stupid one, the really dumb one. And this one is to the nth degree and I think it's playing on that. But they're also giving her some agency. And, you know, I know it was really hard for Christina Applegate because people thought she was Kelly Bundy. And Mm -hmm. so she would get, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine the men afterwards and the way men would, you know, just watching now. And every time she'd come on and you hear those like hoots and stuff. And she was and people thought she must be dumb. And, you know, like Ed O'Neill said, you know, in order to play a character like this so well and as well as she does, you have to be incredibly smart and an incredibly good actor. And she is uh-huh. an incredibly good actor. And mm-hmm. I mean, he said she would nail it in like one take. She was she's so good. Watch Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just bring that out there on Netflix. Great show. Uh, and sh- so she's just a natural and she gets Kelly and you can tell, I think all these actors really love their characters and it comes through like they, I mean, I'm not saying they're good characters, but they love the characters and they love each other for the most part. They all got along except for, I'll say in a minute, uh, <laughs> a couple of people that did not get along. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I love them as a family unit and Bud, I don't like Bud, but the sh- even though I don't like him and I don't think the performances is good, the show would wouldn't work without him for some reason. So even though I don't like him, he's an essential piece of to the puzzle. So yeah, yeah. And he's well, you needed at least one character to have ambition. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he does constantly, and no one—he's the smartest in the family, and no one supports him in call wanting to, you know, complete college, wanting to do better. Nobody supports him at all. It's the funniest thing. It's <laughs> I know. They're like whatever. It's like he's the outcast of the family because he he's is. smart and has yes. ambition and wants to like do better and get out. Yes, yes. But he he fits in so perfectly because even though he is smart, the show doesn't play him as being superior to them yes. just for being smarter. Yeah. He is equally as awful as the rest of them, but mm-hmm. he just happens to be smart. Yeah academically yeah. smart but yeah he's still yeah he's still dumb <laughs> yeah 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 and his main goal in life is to get laid that's <laughs> he wants us to get laid yeah it's his main main mission so yeah and then he also wants to be a no man but they wouldn't let him in <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no man oh oh that was just the biggest idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. But when I was watching it growing up, I was like, "This they have a cool club. I need to start a cool club." <laughs> and then um, Al Bundy. Like I think, like the first time that I really heard "It's a Man's 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 World" was Al Bundy singing it for No Ma'am. And then when I later heard like that it's James Brown, I was like, "Oh, this is a real song." <laughs> Oh, this is so much better. But, which, by the way, if anybody uh, looks up that song, it's a man's 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 world by Joshua Ledet. He is amazing. He does an amazing rendition of that. But that's I'll have to another. Do that. No, I'll have to look that up. Story. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> so let's move on to the neighbors. 
So Marcy, played by Amanda Beers, who Amanda Beers and um, Ed O'Neill hated each other. <laughs> by the way, they did not like each other at oh, all. Yeah. They did not like each other. In fact, the only people that Amanda did not invite to her wedding were Ed O'Neill and David Faustino. <laughs> and uh, well, a lot of the reasons she did that, this is actually really gross on Ed O'Neill's part, is Amanda O'Neill was, was um, Amanda O'Neill, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I'm pretty sure she would ride like, if she heard that. Whoa. Sorry, Amanda. Um, so Amanda Beers was was out. She um she is a lesbian. She was getting married to her wife, and she didn't want anyone there that would make fun of them because they I think they were both gonna be wearing suits or something. And Ed O'Neill did admit that he probably would have. So that's icky and gross. Yeah. So I think there was some homophobia going on there and a lot of the reason why they didn't get along with each other. Um, so those are the only two that didn't get along, really. Uh, and then you have Jefferson, who is the second person that she marries, played by Ted, Ted McGinley. And then the first person that sh- that Marcy is married to is Steve Rhodes, played by David Garrison, who left because he wanted to go back to theater. And he was actually the first person cast in the show. Um, but he left because huh. he missed stage work. But he came back, like, practically every season. He came back once, at least. So, yes. So what are your overall thoughts on Marcy, Jefferson, and Steve, Carla? Listen, I was so sad when Steve left. I loved him so much. I thought he was handsome. <laughs> that that tracks. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I have a type. Um, I just thought that he was so cute. And I also, I liked Marcy more in the beginning. I think as the seasons wore on, she just became so much more of a caricature than she was towards the beginning. But I think that's, that's partly just the, the, the length that the show went and you can only do so much with that character when you, you just have her antagonizing Al and that's all Mm -hmm. she's allowed to do. But I really... I never really liked Marcy, except that I felt sorry for her because of how much Al picked on her. And I thought it was hilarious that she's constantly trying to improve Peg, who doesn't see a need to be improved. And the only reason that she ever tries to improve herself is either to make money to buy herself a VCR (laughs) or to show up Al or to keep Al. You know, like there, there's a point at which, oh, um, because Al, in part of the whole fat phobia and fat shaming that the show does, he would call her fat. And it's like, what are you even talking about? Mm-hmm. So there was at least one episode that I remember where she's trying to lose weight. And it's also partly because Marcy's pushing this book on her about losing weight. Um, so that didn't really, the, the fact that. Marcy was constantly trying to improve somebody that I thought was so wonderful really mm-hmm. bothered me. So I wasn't really a big fan of Marcy's. I also didn't like her hair much towards the end. And it wasn't even the cut. It was the colors. There were just like too many highlights that made no sense. <laughs> and that really was disturbing to me. So, yeah. Um, but the reason that I liked Steve so much is that, that I think that he was the more reasonable of the two. Because he at least seemed more human. Marcy was trying to have like this perfect marriage, be the perfect couple, be like pretend that she's like this perfect 
person. She's, I just imagine like those, those moms at a playground and it's like, oh, I only feed my kid organic food that I make myself. I turn my own butter and you know, like, okay, I get it. All right. Like, although to be perfectly honest, the first year of my son's life, we only fed him organic and we cooked it ourselves, but we didn't go around proclaiming it. Mostly because we don't like people, or rather, I don't like people. So who was I going to proclaim it to? Because then I'd have to have a conversation, and ew, gross. Ugh, who wants that? But Steve seemed much more accessible. Plus, again, handsome. And then Jefferson comes in, and I, I didn't like him at first because he's just so vapid, you know. And the reason that he grew on me is because he's vapid, but so handsome. Like, so <laughs> handsome. Like, whoa, baby. And that's, like, the biggest part of his appeal is that he's so handsome because he he's useless, you know? He's, I don't know how he ever worked for the CIA. Like, was he a janitor of the CIA? Was he, like, kind of lying about, oh, yes, I used to work for the CIA, but in what capacity, sir? Janitor. Can I see your, your badge? Clearance? Mm-hmm. None. <laughs> clearance just the trash cans and then back out that's it that's his clearance but i really even though steve up until they divorced was nicer to marcy i because i didn't like marcy i was okay with jefferson kind of using her even though person that i am like i hate anybody anybody being used and i hate anybody who works hard being taken advantage of especially by somebody who is proclaiming to love them but i was like oh, but it's marcy so <laughs> you know like eh, i feel like it's kind of okay you know <laughs> and, and then you know there was that one episode where her cousin comes to town and the cousin the cousin's um a lesbian mm-hmm. and she's out and and all of that and which is like especially with what you said aaron it's so paradoxical to me that al really took to, to this cousin and they became basically besties and they're like, oh, you next time you're in town, we'll hang out and whatever. It's just like, whatever. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that other than I liked her better than I like Marcy. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't remember her name now, but yeah, she was, yeah. yeah. I was watching that episode today. It was too. also played by, it was also played by Amanda mm-hmm. Beers. So I'm like, I, oh, that's I don't right. know her name, but she looked just like Marcy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And Marcy was insanely jealous of her. Uh, yes, because yes. <laughs> people didn't loathe her, so you know. Yes, and she and she had a boob job, so she was. Oh, oh right. yeah, so she had like so she had like an A cup instead of a a A minus. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I guess that was the whole thing. Yeah. Although you know, it, it was so interesting to me that in that episode. Al calms Marcy down and gets her to talk to her cousin Mm -hmm. who thought that Marcy hated her for being a lesbian. Again, this makes no sense to me. I know. Knowing this now about how he wasn't invited to this woman's wedding because he was being a crap hole about lesbians in real life. And he's also on Modern Family and Modern Family, of course, famously mm -hmm. as a gay couple on there. And I do have to say, I was not expecting Carla to say that Jefferson was so, so attractive. I honestly was not expecting that. That threw me. I generally don't really like that, you know, like all American yeah, that really type threw of me. dude. The conventionally handsome. 
the kind that like everybody thinks is so cute. <laughs> that's why I like my me. men to be niche. Yeah, that's why it drew me. <laughs> niche handsome. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just want to throw out there that uh, my son uh, had to wear a suit on Friday, and um, and then he came back and I asked him if he enjoyed being publicly handsome, and he said yes. Oh, oh my god, that's adorable. <laughs> oh my god, that's it's adorable. So Aw, that is so cute. I just love him so much. I needed to see that. That's so cute. Aw, little kids in suits and formal wear are just freaking adorable. <laughs> adorable yes. oh my god so oh my god oh, I love him. <laughs> so jen what are your thoughts do you think jefferson is so uh, about steve <laughs> <laughs> well i i did always keep your think, hands up my steve i did always think that jefferson you know he is the more conventionally handsome one and i honestly kind of uh forgot about steve until i was re-watching like years ago but we went back and rewatched like the earlier seasons and i was like oh that's right so between <laughs> steve and jefferson what i like about jefferson is that yes he's stupid he's in it and he's married to marcy strictly i think because she's gonna take care of him she's his mm -hmm. sugar mama and i think she's okay with that too mm -hmm. to a point but I love that Jefferson is just so stupid and he gets pulled into all of whatever Al is going to do. Like they make a great dumb team and they're funny <laughs> to watch. I always found Steve to be a bit more, uh, for lack of a better word, like challenging. And because I think because he's smarter, more intelligent, that he wasn't always going to be so easily duped into whatever schemes or shenanigans were on for that week not to say that he never did but i just i i think there was a bit more hesitation uh, maybe he would ask a simple why al would give some shoestring uh, shoestring because he's a shoe salesman uh explanation <laughs> and that'd be good enough for steve like okay that makes enough sense for now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to do something that sounds crazy and stupid and a little fun and maybe a little dangerous so marcy ah uh, i don't know i always kind of went back and forth with her because i did like how she antagonized al i did like their back and forth and knowing that they didn't get along really kind of puts that that whole kind of relationship of those characters into light. And maybe that's why it worked so well of them just mm -hmm. picking at each other. Uh, but I, so I liked her, but she also drove me nuts. And I think maybe she's just kind of loud and maybe like controlling. Cause yeah, she's trying to push peg to do things that pegs doesn't want to do. She has no interest in those things, mm -hmm. but I, I guess maybe because she provided that little bit of a balance to the kookiness of the Bundys and all the wrongness of the Bundys. You know, I think in a way she kind of remember her always trying to push a bit of like feminism on onto uh, Peg, like, you know, women's rights and stand up for yourself. But I think Peg was sh exhibiting her own form of being an independent mm -hmm. woman yep. and exercising her right to choose to not do anything. <laughs> yeah. That was her choice <laughs> as a house mom. And I loved that. It's true. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the time people who are pro something forget that, you know, if we're trying to fight for freedom of something, 
and particularly freedom of choice of something, it includes the choice that you wouldn't make. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so often you hear feminists who rail on, on uh, housewives and stay at home mothers as if that's not a valid choice because it's not the choice that you are Mm -hmm. fighting for, for yourself. Exactly. Yep. 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 I think Peg was more of a feminist than Marcy was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And without mm-hmm. even trying, it was so easy, and she's just so flawless at it. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is just the the, the Peg, Bundy show, the Peggy Bundy podcast, Peggy Bundy Adoration <laughs> Hour. <laughs> well, she is the best. So, but yeah, that's kind of where I am on with the neighbors. I guess it's just yeah, the the shenanigans of Al and Jefferson were fun to watch. The creation of No Ma'am and. Just the the <laughs> hilarious ridiculousness of that whole little group and everything. Like, oh, you poor men. But <laughs> and like I said, I, I grew up more with Jefferson. So, Steve, I feel like I never really got to know. <laughs> I spent more of my formative years with uh, with Marcy Darcy and Jefferson Darcy, right? Because he Jefferson Darcy, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, Jefferson Darcy, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then plus, you know, he's he's all American. He's an alpha beta from Revenge of the Nerds, too. Uh, well, not too, but as well. Yes. So he's. I don't know. He was just always kind of there. So I see him going from like this, like asshole, like super toxic male frat boy douchebag to just kind of like a dummy <laughs> to a very handsome <laughs> dummy. <laughs> And I, I guess that was kind of fun to see at a young age and maybe, yeah. 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 And, and just, just to put it out there, what no ma'am does stand for, uh, is the national organization of men against Amazonian masterhood. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's such a stretch to get to no ma'am. And and they just really wanted that. (laughs) They could just say no ma'am and not even have it stand for anything. What does it stand for? I don't know. <laughs> but I like the shirt. <laughs> Every time Al would say what it stood for, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, to me, Marcy represents a couple of things. First, I think when she first was on, especially with Steve, they represented very much Republicans and very much that Reagan era Republican. And very much about greed and money is good and all that stuff and very conservative. Yet, you know, she is the horniest character on this show. She is, I mean, oh my gosh. She is the, she is so out there. She's really gross. She's really such a hypocrite. She's so hypocritical. And, and I also always remember her with the Barbies. Her obsession with Barbies was the weirdest flipping thing. And I remember the episode with Steve when Steve, um, when she had her Barbie and Steve had gotten rid of it or had gotten sold somewhere. And so he's going out on there. They're going out in the mean streets of Chicago, him and Al, to find this Barbie <laughs> and <laughs> get this Barbie back. And when she finally got her Barbie back, when Marcy did, the way she treated this Barbie was bizarre. And then later on, they revisit the Barbie thing with Jefferson buying that Barbie at an auction and then realizing it's worth more because Al and Jefferson's big thing was always trying to get money, was always scheming to get more money, especially Jefferson. 
And so Jefferson's like, well, I'm going to go. She would sleep with this Barbie. So he's like, when she's sound asleep and replace it with something else, go get that. I just need Al. I just need you to stay in bed with Marcy all night. And th- th- and he's like, I'll be back really soon, actually, is what he says first. And of course, it's all night. And you see Al just like, like he has to put his hand on her butt. He has to do all this stuff. There's one scene where he's in the bathroom puking because he's so disgusted that he had to spend the night in her bed. And it's just bizarre. So that relationship was just, (laughs) the relationship of Al and Marcy, they so despised each other. And that's why, you know, it's, I think maybe some of that even came from the real life thing. Uh, But they actually worked really well off of each other. They're two very good actors. So it's sad to me in a lot of respects that they didn't get along. Um, And, you know, him always calling her a chicken and all the chicken jokes and (laughs) stuff was so weird uh but but then what marcy became is marcy then became that feminist that is only a feminist like we said in the way she wants to be a feminist like she's a feminist that mm-hmm. you know would not she would not include people in sex work sex workers she would not include that in her feminism because that's not the way to be a feminist according to her but at the same time she's also such a capitalist and she's such a yuppie she's such a yuppie so I just don't like her, but I think she was supposed to be a play on that. I think they were kind of attacking that. And I know a lot of people have said, like, that this family, like, now they've said, like, that the Bundys would be huge supporters of, like, Republicans and Trump and all that stuff. And Al's like, they wouldn't – they don't vote. They don't no, – they, don't do, no, they wouldn't they don't. Be, no, Marcy would. Marcy would. But mm-hmm. I don't think they would even – I could see maybe Peg being a secret registered voter. Yes. <laughs> and not tell Al about it. But I think she would vote for, she would have probably voted, she wouldn't have voted, I don't think she would have voted necessarily for like a Republican or something, but. No, I don't think, uh-huh. if 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 any of them voted, it's not, they're not party specific. They're no. going to vote for the candidate that they feel is going to allow them to, to either help them get rich, rich quick or allow Peg to maintain her lazy lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's it. So they have, I don't think they have any qualms about voting for a different party the next election, if they even vote. And I truly don't think any of them are registered. No. I think, I, I think that Kelly is registered, and I'll tell you why. An accident? I think, yes. I think that maybe somebody was setting them up at the school, and she thought that she was like signing up for like, you know, like a getaway or something. And she's like, oh, this sounds great. You know, like, they're like, oh, we'll take you to new places. And she's like, where? Bring me up. <laughs> and then she signs and she, and she only ever gets the card. And they're like, but you have to go to this building to use the card. And then she gets very excited and she gets there and she's like, I'm in a line. I must be about to get on a plane or something. And then she gets to the little booth and she's like, what is this thing? And then just kind of bubbles down the middle. <laughs> absolutely because she she thinks she has to take a test before she gets on the plane and she wasn't expecting she's like oh oh no i didn't get to study for this but i'll just do my best and then she thinks that that you know she'll put the 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 thing into the machine to scan it and she's like what did i win that's so and the answer is democracy a sticker that's so yeah i voted look at this pretty sticker i got yes yes that's so that's so true yeah and well i mean there is the one episode where al gets very political because of the beer tax so that just tells you that's what he cared about was the beer tax it's not anything else he just cared about that so i don't i don't see that and then steve 
Steve was okay. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I think I, I didn't, I wasn't as big a fan of him. He was okay. I, 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 that's all I'll say about him. I really don't have too much to say about Steve, to be honest, but I thought the performance was good. I thought the acting was good. Um, Jefferson, I love Jefferson and I, (laughs) Jefferson is horrible and awful, but I love Jefferson because to me, Jefferson is almost, I think they were trying to do a male version of Peggy, but what was interesting Mm -hmm. is Jefferson became more bonded to Al. And one thing I am so grateful for, because I think they so easily could have done this and they kind of did it the first episode when Marcy realizes she's married Jefferson and Jefferson thinks he married Kelly and he's like, oh, oh, (laughs) yes, I scored. Oh, hot damn. And he's like, okay, come on. And Kelly's like, bye, daddy. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go up with this guy. But what I really appreciate is even though there was an episode later on where they were in commercials together and... They were doing really well there, and everybody got upset when they were going to end up kissing. Um, but they never were taking it seriously. But I appreciate that Jefferson never became this slimy guy who was lusting after Kelly all the time. And I really worried that was going to happen. And so I kind of appreciated they didn't go there with him. But I just – I love him because he's just like, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, and I'm going to take advantage of Marcy – Yet at the same time, he really loves having sex with her. So he's physically attracted to her, which really kind of surprises me. But he's just, he's kind of a a male bimbo, I guess, is the best way to kind of, he's a, what was it? Don't they call it like himbos? It's a himbo. Himbo. Yeah, himbo. Um, But I just, I like Jefferson a lot. And I think he added a lot to the show. And him and Al, uh, their scenes together, when they would do little adventures and schemes they would get into and schemes they'd get involved in, were so wonderful. And I also loved, I loved the episode, just because I was also, because I know, Carla, you were in the supermarket sweep too, but I love the episode where they do the supermarket run. <laughs> and it's Peg and Al versus Jefferson and Marcy. And there's a scene where Marcy falls down and... Peggy runs over her with yeah. their cart and then Jefferson's like Marcy Marcy where are you and he runs her over too <laughs> and it's so it's so funny so yeah I, I I like Jefferson a lot a lot I think he added a great deal to the show I loved his million dollar smile <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting this he had this. a great smile I was not expecting this I'm really surprised by this, Carla. <laughs> She's all thrown off, the guy's I think. A hunk. I'm so thrown off by this. The guy's a freaking hunk. He is very attractive. Like, yes, he's very attractive. He has an amazing smile. I, wow. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry to disappoint you. No, it's you. not disappointing. I'm just surprised. It's just shocking. It's just shocking. <laughs> He's no Jeff Winger. <laughs> I'm so upset about that. I'm so mad about that. <laughs> I'm mad at myself. Oh, but that reminds me. It's understandable. What? But that reminds me that um, Britta from Community and Marcy are similar yes. and that they're both the same kind of like fake feminists. They're like the same fake you know, whatever they think they are, because I think Marcy thinks that she's a liberal. She does. And she's very much not. She's a very much like, 
whatever party will do best for her or support her desires and needs the most. But she doesn't really care about people. She cares about herself. And same thing with Britta. Very true. Very, very true. Yep. Very true there. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, well, we're going to talk about the general content of the show. Like we mentioned, there's a lot of fat phobia, homophobia, sexism, um, a little bit of racism in here, everything thrown in here. Very, as it was put at the time, very politically incorrect is how people like to put it. But basically, they were horrible people. <laughs> Everyone on this show was horrible. I mean, even the side characters for the most part. And, of course, there was the long-running thing that every time Al would get home from the shoe store, he would say, so a fat lady came into the shoe store today. So mm-hmm. I still have love for this. But so, Carla... What are your thoughts on the general content? Do you think it went too far? And do you think the show, the writers, I'm not talking about the people who watch the show, but do you think the show actually even liked its characters? You know, I think that the show understood what it was doing. Um, I don't, I think that they liked the characters as far as they use them as kind of uh, satirical mouthpieces. You know, they... I don't think that that they saw them as likable people at all. They went to great lengths to show you that these are not likable people. These are not good mm-hmm. people. But I think that they were effective. So I think that the writers in that sense did like them. Um, the even back then, like all of the the fat phobia and the fat shaming made me really uncomfortable. And I there were. And even today, which is, you know, still horrible that a lot of people are just like, it's just a joke. You know, like, why can't you just accept that it's a, just, it's just funny, you know, it's just for a laugh without understanding that there's damage done to real people who are hearing themselves as the butts of jokes. I wonder what it was like for those, for those mm-hmm. actresses playing those women in the shoe store to be the butt of these jokes constantly, you know, and it's. I just, I can't imagine what that does to somebody's psyche to be like, okay, you're being brought on the show specifically so that Al Bundy can make fun of you for being fat. So I, like that, that doesn't sit well, it doesn't play well. That is one of, that's one of the aspects in which it goes too far. Because I think you could have made the point that Al Bundy is is an awful human being without leaning into the fat shaming. Now, as far as the, the rest of the show, it definitely was not a great show for for women and for feminism as much as you know like we've said Peggy and Kelly were feminist 
ideals in some ways. In other ways, they, you know, definitely weren't. But definitely, like, the portrayals of women in general, like, the parade of hot women that are just there to be to be ogled, and the way that Bundy and Al treat women, um, the way that Marcy gets put down for being short, for being flat-chested, for having um, the haircut that she does, for looking like a lesbian, you know, like, just so many things are just awful. Um, as far as race, like, the show doesn't lean too far into racism. In an exceptional way. <laughs> not saying that it doesn't, yeah. but just not in a way that is exceptional to its era. And there is, it, the show is rampant with homophobia. Like, there's just no two ways about it. It is rampant with homophobia. Now, the show itself, like, I think if Married with Children had failed, we, I don't think that we would have had The Simpsons, Roseanne, or so mm. many other shows that rely on this kind of comedy where. Um, it's supposed to be satirical and you're supposed to take it as satirical but I think that that not to say that there aren't enough people who are smart enough to understand satire versus just a straight up like this is what we think is funny but yeah because there are so many people who talk about shows and uh, and about some some characters as if you know like oh well you know I always thought that this was a great character because it shows what a man really should be and it shows um, what a woman's place should be and it's like dude that's not the point that they're trying to get across um, but again I, I think that there are so many shows that would have failed or not even been brought to life if the show had failed and it debuted at a time when the Cosby show and family ties who's the boss etc were going really strong and it was specifically built as a counterpoint to that um, Fox wanted to Fox back then uh was the risk-taking network. And it's the network that would bring you all of these big, splashy things. And they really um, went out of their way to create, not controversy, but a spark. And the, the big three back then, NBC, ABC, and CBS, were very... I mean, they had been established, like, decades prior. And their fare was just so standard and stale that... Fox, at this point, it was a big risk and it paid off because it was a big risk. So yeah, so like all of these shows had happy families facing happy family problems together with their nice big houses and consistent flow of food and, you know, like toilet paper or what have you. But the big trick that Married with Children managed to pull was that this family is awful, you know, just completely unrepentantly awful. They're loyal only to each other and only when it uh, when it's convenient to them. Uh, and they have to be re to verbally remind you that they love each other because otherwise it's hard to tell that they do. None of the characters have redeemable qualities. And yet even as the characters become more caricature, the show's success grows. And the less believable these people were as people, the more beloved they became. And I think that's a good thing. I think that if they were believable as people, as some shows now try to do where they try to have like these complex heroes or anti-heroes or whatever, because there you're really muddling the line with a viewership that is not necessarily um, prepared to properly digest that kind of high-level presentation. And it was counter to successful, successful family sitcoms and just sitcoms in general, because nobody's likable and the show goes out of its way to be offensive, but it also strips back the veneer of perfection 
that was just hamphistically present in sitcoms and the depictions of middle-class nuclear families. And they don't just openly bicker, they actively work to antagonize and sabotage each other. They lose a lot of opportunities to meet their goals just to make sure somebody else in the family doesn't get what they want. And yet with all of that, it succeeds tremendously because of the production itself. The actors, no matter what they're saying, are showing you that they're in on the joke, that they get that it's a satire, and that's how they're presenting it to you. Um, they're fully aware that they're playing awful people, saying awful things to each other, behaving awfully, but they're doing it with such conviction and gusto that I think most people really get the point that this is not a family to aspire to be. These are not people that you want to grow up to be other than, like we've said before with Kelly and with Peggy, their confidence. But I don't know. I, I think that the, for all of the bad things about the show, there were many great things that came of it. And I'm glad that we're able to, to discuss it and to really get into why it works and um, how you should view it. And, you know, the takeaways that were there to be taken away. <laughs> well, applause if you can hear me. If not, I will write applause said. in there. Cause that was, that was, <laughs> that was wonderfully said. So I'm writing that in here. Thank oh, you. Oh, you did hear that. Okay, good. So yes. <laughs> It sounded like, it sounded like, I, good, <laughs> say it. <laughs> and I'm taking that, it's good job, Carla. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Jen, do you have? Oh, I love, I love when the three of us are together because I go after Carla and it makes <laughs> my life that much easier i don't know what else i could add to that <laughs> it was so well said perfectly said did they go too far <laughs> absolutely did it kind of, maybe at that time period need to be envelopes need needed to be pushed yes you know with the isms that they relied on or not even as you know as Carla had said they, it wasn't like exceptionally racist for its time so it was about what you would expect for that time period which it that that's that is what it is <laughs> we'll just go with that for now you know so but I think that I guess in a way in in some ways I kind of see it similar to like South Park in the sense that nobody is safe from being skewed by the writers and the actors portraying these because I think yeah the actors were in on the joke they knew that these are terrible people not to aspire to be <laughs> like them at all and they did such a great job putting that on screen and giving that to us now it's unfortunate that some folks probably viewed it and was like yeah yeah this family they get it I, it's, it's not to be taken as like a guide <laughs> to life or anything or to how to raise a family or be a person. So I think as long as you remember that even watching it now, that at the time we really needed something like this and had it not succeeded, we wouldn't have had these other forms of mm -hmm. dysfunctional families that still love each other and will still be there because I feel like we see a lot more of that now than happy, 
everything wrapped up, meat in a bowl, all that kind of just really positive family stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, I Um, So I, I, I like that here we're given this like really rough, you know, kind of, I don't know, like pokey seed and over time it's planted, it's regrown and, and germinated and repopulated. And we've gotten these different kind of variations of this plant and how we've kind of learned to cultivate and trim and work with the thorny bits and how to make them less thorny, but still there. Does any of that make sense? I don't know why no, I went into a plant analogy. <laughs> that was kind of weird, but that's just kind of how... <laughs> That's, I guess, all I'm going to add to uh, what Carla has already beautifully said. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what Carla said was was pretty perfect and and right on. And not much to add. I mean, I do think, I do think that a lot of people that watch this show didn't realize. I think some people didn't realize that this show wasn't saying you should be like these people. The show was very much saying you should not be like these people because they never won. I think that was very, very important. The Bundys did not win, especially Al. And so the fact that you had these characters not winning, I think really sends the message that you should not be this awful. But I think they were also skewering the fact that so many families were supposed to be so quote unquote perfect. They were also a take up on, on the Marcy Darcy is a take up on the creators of the Cosby show and all of those too. For, for, so, you know, they, they were definitely pushing back against that. And, you know, like it's already been said, you would not have certain shows like we're going to be talking about always sunny next week. And you would not have that show if this show had not happened. It just never, ever, uh, it paved the way. And while I think a lot of the, especially the fat phobia, I think is the hardest one in this to at all come to terms with. And like you said, Carla, I can't even imagine being one of those actresses Mm -hmm. and the mental exhaustion that must've been to, to the toll that must've taken to be, basically like a sideshow character kind of thing. Like basically you were not a human being. You were just all And even how they dressed. Yeah. And even how they, sorry to interrupt, even how they dressed the, the larger women, they dressed them in like the, the moo-moos very like, like, and, and also, yeah, the, the joke of like, Oh, fat woman came into the shoe store. Like so attractive, thin people don't buy shoes. It's only like, why, how is that? a joke you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's just a weird statement yeah i mean men have their whole size issues too i mean hello so yeah i mean and and also that their whole identity was wrapped up in food i mean you had the running gag with peggy's mom and oh, yeah. when peggy's mom was staying there for a while and every time she'd move she'd be like shaking the house and that that kind of stuff it's just gross it's disgusting and well, it went to such an extreme that I, that I know people make the argument, well, they didn't really believe this stuff. But at the same time, that's very degrading. And to hear that, especially, you know, like we all watched this when we were young. And so when you're watching this when you're young, it really does imprint on you that fat is bad. It really did that. I mean, that, that was a negative aspect of watching this show. And especially when you're sitting there and you're sitting there and you're watching it with a parent or your parents. And they, if they're laughing at that, 
then that also instills in you that, oh, so this is bad, you know? So it's, so even though it is a comedy, like I said, when we did our community episode, I think a lot of times comedies like this like to hide behind the fact that they're a comedy. So they're like, so that excuses anything they do, but it doesn't, you can still be responsible in your comedy. Right. It's just be better at your job. Be a better writer. Be a better joke teller. Don't be, be lazy. Funnier. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Exactly. You know, 1980, you know, 80s, 90s, you know, the the fat jokes were rampant. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, your 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 mama jokes, your mama's so fat, this and that. And I remember, I think like on live on In Living Color, yeah. Ed O'Neill showed up as kind of a Bundy esque because he was in the armchair and he won the your mama uh I don't know, beef off, riff. I don't, what are words? Uh, that little bit. He won against, uh, I think it was Jamie Foxx. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. But I. it's just those jokes were so widely told and widely accepted. And, you know, and it's like, I have, you know, fat people in my family. And I think they, over time, have become conditioned to be the first one to make that joke you know, in, in that attempt to diffuse and, mm-hmm. uh, be like, haha. But I, I really don't know how it truly makes them feel to make those fat jokes, even to be the first one to, yeah. to do it before someone else gets to. And it's like, I'm really sorry that life was, did that to you. And I'm sorry that, you know, society and your family played a role in that as well. But mm-hmm. that's, and, and to not excuse it, but that's how it was. It's I, yeah. We we know better. Hopefully, going forward, we do a little. A better. little. Marvel, this is this is Marvel. Yeah, this is yeah. one area that's not. <laughs> the three of us know better. You know when when people would even like mock even like Trump and his yeah his body and his weight and his posture. I'm just like low hanging fruit folks like there's he's so terrible for so many other reasons one and the making fun of with him being like in love with putin and all this stuff and like making all the the yeah very homophobic jokes and from people that are like i am so not homophobic i'm like you're being homophobic (laughs) it's like well it's him yeah i know it's like Except the fact that you have some work to do within your your mind and, you know, recalibrate yeah, before hitting back and saying it's just a joke. Mm-hmm. Or at least admit that you're just going to go low and not give a shit. At least admit that because at least I think there is a little bit of, like, respect there. It's like, at least you're not bullshitting me. At least you're going <laughs> to let me know that you're going to be terrible on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, fine. Well, I still, I mean, I love this show. I think it's good to always critique this media. Like I've said, even if you love stuff, it's good to critique it because then hopefully people will do better. So we're going to move on to our new segment, Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. And I I know Jen is playing. I know Carla's not playing. But like I said, you don't have to play. You can't play. This one was a fun one to do, honestly. (laughs) I enjoyed doing this one. Um, And we are eventually going to have an intro for this. Aaron and I are brainstorming on a way to introduce this segment because I feel like it needs an introduction. Carla, Carla, will you do an intro song for us? (laughs) Yes. 
Okay. See, now I want an intro for my six degrees of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Can you do that for you? I will work on one yeah. for you too. Yes. I mean, we're podcast brain twins, so it's like you're really doing it for the same person. <laughs> you need, like, you know, like twins often have some, some outfits growing up. Now you guys can have, say, you know, similar yes. jingles. Yes, we both do six <laughs> degrees. So, yes. So... Jen, I'll be very curious to see if it's one of mine that you came up with. So what are your six degrees of Finn? All right. Well, I've got the one because I kind of almost forgot. And so I panicked. And, <laughs> but I got it. And I got there. And okay, well, here we go. So Married with Children stars Katie Seagal. We love her. She was in a few episodes of Lost with uh, Emily DeRaven, Emily DeRaven, mm-hmm. who was in The Submarine Kid okay. with Finn Whitrock. Whit, Whit yes. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Everybody keeps doing it. Which is a great movie. Great yes. movie. And Finn co-wrote that movie. And that's one of his best performances. He's so flipping good in that movie. I really yeah. like that A movie. trigger that warning for that movie. It's very heavy. Heavily deals with PTSD and suicidal ideation. So, but it's so good. So. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, well, I have several here. So let's see, which one do I want to use here? I'll use the Ed O'Neill one because it ta- it's actually oh, more cool. steps than the other ones. But um, so Ed O'Neill was in Modern Family with Eric Stone Street, who was in American Horror Story Murder House. I knew you were going there. <laughs> with Evan <laughs> Peters, who was in American Horror Story Freak Show with Finn and other things too with Finn. Uh, but I do want to throw out another Katie Seagal connection, which... Katie Seagal guest starred on The Big Bang Theory with Jim Parsons, who was in The Normal Heart with Finn. And then the last one, I'm just going to throw this out too. Christina Applegate uh, was in the movie Bad Moms with Mila Kunis, who just made a movie with Finn called Luckiest Girl Alive that is set to release this year. I'm sure we will be talking about this movie, doing something about this movie, because this is our Vice unofficial mascot. So if Christian fucking Bale ever lets us down, (laughs) which he never will. He never will. I just love that the title always includes unofficial mascot to the point where it's vice unofficial mascot. Finn we Whitlock. haven't gotten the clearance from Finn yet, but I just love that so much. So Finn, if you want to give the clearance that you're our official vice mascot, go for it. So, yes. And then a reminder to listeners that you can play our own audience version of Six Degrees of Finn, where we are going to be selecting every month. We're going to be doing this every month. We're going to select previous shows or movies that we have covered. And then you just submit how Finn is connected to. And we're going to choose four each month. This month, they're Dexter, uh, Chuck, True Blood, and Schitt's Creek. So I will, once again, give you a hint that at least one of these is super duper easy to connect. Um, I may be making these harder in the future, but who knows? Uh, But anyway, so head on over. If you're watching this live, you're watching on YouTube, here's the link. Head on over there for a chance to win some It's a Findom Thing merch. So, hey, it's free to enter. Anyone can enter. So play along. You have until May 31st, and then the first week of June, I will announce the winner. I've liked some of the connections that have come through because it's introduced me to things I didn't even know. So (laughs) there are actually bigger Finn Whitrock fans out there than me. (laughs) It's amazing. What? (laughs) 
it's it's Finn entering himself every time. <laughs> He's like, I, w- I want some merch. I don't want to buy it myself because I'll feel weird about that. <laughs> yes, because winning it is so much more yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll use a code name. <laughs> Fan. Watchstone. <laughs> yeah, he could listen to any of our previous episodes and come up with a, <laughs> a different name for himself. So, uh, but but I I I'm enjoying this, so I'm glad it's a new segment. I can't wait for Carla's song. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. I just know it. <laughs> of course it is. Yes, of course. And I can't is. wait to hear the one she comes up with for Jen, my podcast brain yeah. twin. So thank you both so much. It was great to have the Wild Women of Podcasting back together again. We definitely didn't do this again because I miss it so dang much. So I loved having both of you on. You are two of my favorite people in the world. So thank you both so much. <laughs> Love you. Okay, so now I'm just going to go around and have everybody say where their podcasts can be found in themselves too. So Carla. Thank you, Erin. You can find my podcast, which I co-host with with Meg, it's Bedwetter Behead Pod, and you can find it at any podcast streamer that is worth your while. If it doesn't carry Bedwetter Behead Podcast, delete it. And uh, our Twitter is at Bedwetter Pod. Our Instagram is at bed.wed.behead.pod. You can find us on other blue social media, which should probably be deleted by now, and yet it persists. You just look for Bedwetter Behead Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Garlatemis or my website, garlatemis.com. I hope you also enjoy the interpretive dance. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Maybe for like a video promo, we should all do like our yes. own little interpretive dance to like our closing or, our, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You should add that when you do the song for the six degrees. <laughs> yes. 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 We will make a, a TikTok trend. Of like the Finn with rock, the six degrees of Finn. Oh I would. It should be a dance. Yes. Like the Finn with rock. If the Finn with rock is a dance, what would it be? We are. We got it. We got to do. Yes, this. this is a new thing. Okay. <laughs> you got to throw in a little dandy mott first. Oh, like lots of pouting, the flexing, tantrums. That's all I know of this man's performances. <laughs> Yes, we are going to get this trending. <laughs> Do the Finn Whitrock. <laughs> the Whitrock. And then and then Finn, you have to submit your own. We did yeah. watch your, your lovely, <laughs> wonderful, amazing video this morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, your, your dog man. did look like... Fergie does when I try and sing or dance around her like get me the hell out of here sing something from a horror movie yes okay yes that's that's what I will have to start doing I'll just sing I'll just do the Friday the 13th thing and we'll go (laughs) and she'll be like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) murder Instead of popcorn, she'll bring a doggy bone to chew on. Yeah. Or a human bone. Oh. Or a bone from a bunny. (laughs) (laughs) 
she she wants to kill the bunny. I was what really sorry, and then I'll let you close out, Jen. Sorry. Um, so I was watching. This is payback for Central Beach Party. Yes, it's payback. Um, Tomorrow, yes. y'all will understand that reference. So uh, I was watching American Horror Story Freak Show before this, and it's the episode, the first one where where Dandy Mott is bathing in the blood. <laughs> Because it helps, you know, it's good for the pores. Uh, so he's bathing in blood of, I think it's his mom at that, that time that he just murdered. And <laughs> it's okay, his mom's horrible. It's okay. Every <laughs> sentence is progressively tumble. worse than the previous one. So I'm just a little. <laughs> so I was joking that Fergie, we were joking that Fergie's going to go and kill a bunch of bunnies and bathe in their blood. <laughs> Carla's face. Oh my god. <laughs> my face is this is so good. Okay. Anyway, so Jen. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Your dog's so cool. <laughs> Fergie is such a she's such an interesting character. Um, she does really I, I this is seriously, listener, she loves watching horror movies. She loves watching people getting murdered. She when I was re-watching Nip Tuck, she was so enthralled every time they would do the surgeries, she was her eyes were glued to the screen. She was the only one enjoying that rewatch. So <laughs> So Jen, <laughs> where can they find oh. you in your podcast? Well, they can uh so the podcast can be found on like almost any podcast player near you pretty much everywhere but pandora that is my uh corporate beef that i've got i'm gonna roll with that for a while because why not it's hilarious uh <laughs> and um oh side note when i went to go check last week after aaron you and i got done recording psycho beach party uh my submission was gone and <laughs> so i resubmitted and i'm like you sons of bitches but so that's my that's my corporate beef is with Pandora. But otherwise, yeah, you can find me uh, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, auto, you know, uh, Amazon, all the other places. You can follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at Streaming Bubble, and can be found on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. So, and I've got oh yeah, because we're live now, uh, but not when this episode airs. <laughs> that I do have an episode coming out on Sunday with. Aaron and we talked about the amazing movie Psycho Beach Party one of my <laughs> favorites so I love it I'm really excited for that to drop in the morning yeah that was so much fun yes and it breaks my heart to say to Jen that I am on Pandora <laughs> it doesn't break your heart I know it doesn't it's fine and it's like <laughs> It, that sounds more like a brag. <laughs> it's the number three most popular place that people listen to us. To. I feel bad, but listen to my amazing statistics. <laughs> I feel awful, but I'm on there, so you know. Hey. I don't. I feel so sad for all the podcasters who can't get on it, but I'm on there. <laughs> Sucks to be oh. you, but you know, sometimes life is hard. <laughs> oh my Pandora, God. who needs it? <laughs> Pandora, I hardly know her. 
Pandora, if you're listening, I love you. I love you. Do not kick me off your <laughs> So this is Erin. Um, you can follow me at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod and look for our upcoming Finn Whitrock dancing challenge. <laughs> <laughs> this man is going to become so annoyed with this podcast. <laughs> so you're either going to become really annoyed with it or become enamored with us. I choose enamored. Enamored, obviously. <laughs> it's going to be so into it. <laughs> so look for that trend sometime. I don't. We're gonna do it. We're gonna come up with the Finn Whitrock. <laughs> yeah. Do the Finn Whitrock. Do the Finn Whitrock. Yes. I'm trying to come up with like. <laughs> it's like the chicken dance. That sounded like I was gonna say the chicken dance. <laughs> you have to do the hair. <laughs> the hair. <laughs> so look for that coming soon. <laughs> If you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you'd like to come on and do the Finn Whitrock, Finn Whitrock. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah. Do it live. <laughs> you can bring your little doggy. Live stream yourself. <laughs> yeah. Bring your doggy. Um, have your dog do the Finn Whitrock. <laughs> oh. I'm going to have Fergie do a Finn Whitrock dance. <laughs> anyway just put her in a clown hat <laughs> a party clown hat again showing my two references I know of this <laughs> no disrespect to him but this is all I know that and he was once in a room with Ben Affleck that had snails oh god goddamn snails <laughs> <laughs> season 11 American Horror Story remember yep. Jen snails <laughs> Anyway, you can also pick up It's a Snail Thing in our Red Bubble store. <laughs> Amazing you seriously segue. can, listeners. You seriously yes, can. Yes, it's very true. So you know, sh show your snail love. <laughs> anyway, so if you want to be on the show and do your Finn Whitrock dance, reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Or you can email. I love it. They're doing their Finn Whitrock. Uh <laughs> Imagine Carla doing like her best fin now <laughs> for Vice unofficial mascot. <laughs> On our next year when we do the big short, because of both of our mascots are in the big short, so you know you'll <laughs> be your fin and your Christian. <laughs> yes, that will totally, totally happen because I can definitely talk like a generically accented white person. <laughs> in the united states so that's easy peasy i'm doing it now <laughs> you, you nailed it hello aaron i am a generic white person in the united states i am so excited to speak to you today may i interest you in some corn or soybeans <laughs> You had me at soybean. <laughs> I, was I, can't, I can't 
can't wait to tag some generic white boy in this. <laughs> I love us. Um, see, oh why wouldn't God. you want to come on this show? I mean, seriously. I mean, honestly, we're a good time. We are. We're the wild women yes. of podcasting. Yes. It's in the name. Fun is just, it's all there implied. Yes. 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 You can't spell fun. You can't spell fun without the wild women of podcasting. (laughs) I know. Actually, I don't know that you can smell fun. (laughs) There's no F. Let's see. There's only an F. There's an F for wild women of podcasting. Is there... Oh okay, yes, well, scrolling yes. across right now. Where is so a U? Where the f- there's no don't U. Don't have a U. There's no. There's no U. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I guess we should wrap this up here. <laughs> you put the U in fun. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I put the yes. So if you come on, I will provide that fun. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, uh, you can email the show. It. It's- <laughs> It's a fandom thing at gmail.com. There, I got it out. And on our next live stream, we will be talking about Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That will be next Sunday at 6.30 East, I think it's 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. I can't remember now. Um, but I, we're going to have uh, Lauren and Rachel from Sort of Brilliant Podcast, which is the Harry Potter podcast. I don't understand Harry Potter. They're going to be on here. And little preview, I will be on their podcast in August playing sorting Finn Whitrock <laughs> characters from I'll be sorting Dandy, Tristan, and um Harry. So Ooh. that is so cool. I just want to say on their behalf that they are not uh they don't have anything to do with the creator yes. of Harry Potter. They just take the houses and improve on them and sort characters into yes. the houses. Yes, they do do not and, support and- JK Rowling. And from what I've gathered, uh, Carla is a Ravenclaw, and <laughs> Meg's always wrong. <laughs> I'm listening to a couple episodes, so I don't know anything about Harry Potter. Their podcast actually kind of helps me get a better idea of the houses, but I'm still just as wrong as Meg. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. So you're probably a Gryffindor. I can't remember because I think I've gotten like Gryffindor or Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw or all of those. I've taken my own tests before. Ask them. Ask them, but I'm pretty sure you're a Hufflepuff. No, they said, I think that's what they said or they said, I can't remember because we did ask. I did ask them when when they were on the 12-hour streaming event, but now I can't remember what they said. Um, (laughs) But yes, so they will be on along with Judy. So that'll be a fun conversation. And then on our next podcast episode, we already recorded this. We are talking about How I Met Your Mother. I warn people when the episode starts, Megan and I are extremely critical of this show. So if you still love this show, and if you love Ted especially, you do not want to listen to it. We hate Ted with a burning passion. We don't have anything nice to say about him. We despise this character. So if you like Ted, you are not going to want to listen to this episode. (laughs) Or maybe listen to it and learn some standards. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I will excuse anything that Jason Siegel does is another thing you learn. <laughs> and I'm I'm not a big Neil Patrick Harris fan, so I apologize. I am not a fan of this show, but I warn you, so you know what you're getting into. 
So, okay. Well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, oh, until next really time. really good at I ending. know. It's the Wild Women of Podcasting. We Check have you later. <laughs> Check you later. Yeah. So, until <laughs> next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.